Good morning. Preach in Jesus' name as well. I hope my voice holds up this morning, but I'll do do the best we can. I too enjoyed the Sunday school hour and flows very well with our message here this morning. And by the appearance here, all of you have, that are here at church this morning have traveled the way that leads to Prairie Church here in Blooming, Prairie, Minnesota. And I don't know this for certain, but I suppose that each of you have chosen the way that was the quickest, that gets you here, got you here the quickest. And there may be a few exceptions. You may have driven a few extra miles to avoid gravel roads. Other than Roderick, I've seen him coming north on the gravel west of here, so he uh, chose gravels and didn't need to, so I'm not sure. I'm sure he had reasons to do that. <clears throat> but hopefully it wasn't veering off the path this morning. Besides that, I believe it's safe to say that we made a decision when we made the decision to go to Prairie Church this morning, we also knew the way that we would take to get there. And I don't think we took any random roads in other directions with no clear plan or purpose on when we would get to church or whether we would get there at all. We had a clear plan route that would get us to church, that would lead us to the correct, our correct destination, what we had planned. A few weeks from now, we plan to be at Living Hope Church. We'll be uh, Thanksgiving dinner down there with Darlene's family. And I already know the way that I plan to take so that in 45 minutes after I leave our place, we'll arrive at Living Hope in time for church. What is your destination this morning? And are you taking the way that leads to that destination? A few Sundays ago, Lynn read from Deuteronomy 13 in his devotional. I don't know if you remember, he made a comment before he read it. And I don't remember his exact words, but he said something about not really wanting to read these verses because of the severity of the content. I don't know how he said it, but something to that effect. And a phrase in verse 5 caught my attention. I've been pondering the significance of these words. is to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded you to walk in. And we'll look at these verses a little more in detail later. But what way was Moses referring to when he was addressing the children of Israel in that verse? It was a way that God commanded them to walk, that they would be able to be called his sons and daughters. And how were they to know this way? It was simply to do what God had asked them to do. And this began when he called Abraham out of his country, told him to travel to New country, and as time went on, he called them to se- called them to separate themselves from the heathen nations around them, 
and he commanded them to live their lives different than these other nations. And he commanded them to live their... Sorry, and if they do this, he would bless them and he would supply their needs and he would lead them to victory over their enemies. And if they follow through with all this, in the end, he would give them rest. The New Testament has many references to the way. The first references to the way are found in the prophecies of John the Baptist, Matthew 3, 3. For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, making his path straight. By his father Zechariah, in Luke 1, 79, To give light to them that sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Paul also mentioned this way when he stood before Felix, in Acts 22.4, said, I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. And then two verses in Acts 18 that Micah touched on in his devotions at our members meeting a few weeks ago. Acts 18.25 and 26. This man, referring to Apollos, was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake, and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, who, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto them, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of, the, of God more perfectly. <clears throat> How are we in the 21st century? To know this way that is referred to so often in the Bible. Is it even relevant to us? How are we to know that we are in the way? Or are we slowly drifting off one side of the road or the other? Or maybe we made a choice to willingly turn from the way we were going and be going in a different way. A way with a different destination. Turn with me to John 14. I'm sure some of you thought of this verse as I was reading these others. John 14, and I'll read verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
The context of this chapter follows Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, beginning at chapter 12. And later on in that chapter, Jesus made it clear to them that he would be lifted up, he would be crucified. And from chapter 12 through 17 is Jesus' teaching during what we would call the Passion Week. He was taking the time to give the leaders of the new Christian church what they needed to establish his church and to be able to remain in the way, in the way that he had taught them. Then we have the foot washing in chapter 13, and John doesn't record, but it was also the same time that he had introduced the New Testament communion service that would take place take the place of killing the lamb of the Passover lamb after his death. <clears throat> and following right after that in John thirteen, thirty four and thirty five, he gives them a new commandment. It says the new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another, as I had loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. This was the beginning of a new way. <clears throat> you know, we have council, communion, foot washing here in two weeks. And do we feel the significance of keeping these ordinances that Jesus gave so that we remain in the way that leads to life? <clears throat> Consider the new commandment that Jesus gave as we approach this communion. This is a picture of the way that Jesus is promoting. I, by this shall all men know ye, know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We also have a baptism service this evening, as we heard. Gareth and Alexa had chosen to follow in this way of Jesus. Tonight they will make a public statement that they plan to stay in this way and it will be sealed with water. Isn't it wonderful that 2,000 years later the church is still growing? Now, Peter couldn't understand why Jesus said he couldn't go with him and this is back in 13 as well, John 13:36. He thought he would even give his life for him. And Simon Peter said unto the Lord, Whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Or we could say, The way I go, thou canst not follow me now. Peter could not have full understanding until he was on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, and Jesus knew this. And Luke records that Jesus told Peter that he's specifically praying for him that when all these things take place, he wouldn't fall apart, but that he would understand and that he would help the other disciples understand. In Luke twenty-two thirty-two, But I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Aren't you glad that we're on this side of the cross? We should have no problem knowing the right way. Isn't that right? 
As we continue reading, if you read through chapters 15, 16, Jesus continues to teach this way for those that choose to follow him. And the title this morning is The Way to Life. In Boston, there's a, in the Boston area, there's a church called Followers of the Way. And I looked up their website, just curious what they would have in their, in their uh, statement on their website. And uh, they quoted Acts 9-2, and desired of him letters, this was Paul, uh, requesting letters to go to Damascus to uh, bring the Christians back, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. In Acts 22, 4, And I persecuted, again, this is Paul speaking, And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. And also Acts twenty four fourteen. Paul again, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call hearsay, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. Paul, when he gave his testimony, often referred to the way. And the people at this church in Boston were stating that they have a desire to follow in this way. And just being part of this church automatically make them a follower of the way? Does being part of Prairie Church automatically make us a follower of the way? Unfortunately, it does not. And they also state at John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And as you read through John 14, you can almost get the feeling that Jesus was talking to the disciples on a very elementary level, and they still couldn't get it. <clears throat> but we can't be, again, we're on this side of the cross, and they were, they were on the other side. They believed that there was a God, and they also believed that a Messiah was coming to save them, But the connection between God and Jesus and the work of salvation through Christ on the cross was more than what they could comprehend. And I'm certain it would have been the same for us. In chapter 14, Jesus began telling them about him going to leave them. And while he was gone, he would prepare a place for them that we can come to him. And in verse 4, he said, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And in verse 5, Thomas probably asked a question that all the disciples were thinking inside. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus, you keep telling us that you're going away and that we're going to join you there someday. But how can we 
how can this be if we don't know where you're going? And how can we know the way to get there? There was a missing link in this conversation. These things that Jesus talked about needed to take place in order for them to understand. And as you read through the rest of the 14, Jesus goes on to explain the connection between him and God, his father, and that everything he's doing was because of him. But what a simple, profound statement that Jesus made for them that day and for every human being since then when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So simple that after the resurrection, the disciples could go back to these words and piece together that puzzle that before baffled them so much. I often think that I would like to be with the disciples when they met together, after they were enlightened with the truth of Jesus, to hear the conversation as they reflected back over the teachings of Jesus, of all the time they spent with them, and things began to click together. That is why he said this. This is the way he was referring to. And things that were so meaningful to them that they wrote them down so that all those who come after them could read and understand. And we have them here today yet. Do we still have the passion and the excitement about being a follower of the way as Paul and the disciples did? Is this way so important to us that we will not allow anything to turn us out of the way? Just like you driving here this morning, you had a destination in mind and that is where you ended up. <clears throat> I'd like to look at a few points that could cause us to turn out of the way, whether it is a sharp turn or a gradual change of deviating off the direct route that leads us to our desired destination. And then a few that can help us in staying in the way that leads to life. <clears throat> Number one, we need to have a specific destination. This morning you chose Prairie Church as your destination and you're here. Are you settled in your heart on a destination to spend eternity. <clears throat> Jeremiah 21.8 And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. If you don't have a specific destination for your life, you don't need to know the way. Because by default, you will follow the crowd that is taking the easy way. Again, Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The broad way is to go with the crowd. There's no resistance. It takes no effort. The narrow way that leads to life takes a dedicated commitment to something beyond the moment to stay on it. 
Just looking up definitions for straight and narrow, and straight would have have the thought of narrow or obstacles that are standing close about. So if you think of to stay on this narrow road, you will be going around obstacles to stay in the right path. You're not just going to go off and avoid them, but you're going to have to go around them. <clears throat> it's like the, the flow is coming toward you and you're going the other way. <clears throat> and narrow as also has the thought of suffer, tribulation, trouble. <clears throat> it's not an easy way. We will touch on this more later, but it, to remain on the narrow way takes a vision of something more valuable and more precious than anything else that we can experience by leaving this path and reaching for things on the broad way. And I personally need to remember this so often. This life is just a small moment in time. You know, eternity is forever. Every part of me, every decision I make, everything I do, everything I say should be with my eternal destination in mind. And Jesus said he is the way. And he left us with all we need to live in a way that portrays that I am a follower of this way. <clears throat> if I choose to take the path to life and then take other roads that lead away from this destination <clears throat> and think that I will eventually get there, get where I want to end up at, I may very well find myself in a place that I never planned to go. Not all roads lead to life. Again, like this morning, not all roads lead to Prairie Church. You had to choose the correct roads that you ended up here at your destination. Number two, we can lead ourselves out of the way. Do I realize that when I choose the path of individualism, I can turn myself out of the way. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is the heart and the mind of man. And if we leave it, if we do it on our own, there is that potential of it leading us astray. In Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 have the exact same or, Worded exactly the same, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But Solomon also has a remedy for this. Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And Jesus said, I am the way. He came to fulfill the Old Testament and also gave us a new commandments and these will bring us life. <clears throat> Proverbs 10.17 He is the way of life that keepeth instruction. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. But he that refuseth reproof erreth. Are we part of this body to enjoy the fellowship, the friendships? Or is it also to receive 
instruction and have that safety of knowing that these friends carry enough about my soul that they will keep me traveling in the right way. There is tremendous value and safety in the brotherhood if we open ourselves to it. Number three, others can thrust you out of the way. And I'm going to read Deuteronomy 13 and turn there. Again, verse 5 is the one I quoted some of before, but I think I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's... So we can uh, get the entirety of, of what God is saying here. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord, your God, and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and you shall serve him, and cleave unto him. And that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee, secretly saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. <clears throat> thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shall thou spare, neither shall thou conceal him. But thou shalt surely kill him, thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. And thou shalt stone him with stones, and that he die, because he has sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear and fear, and shall do more any such wickedness as this is among you. <clears throat> if thou shalt hear say in one of the cities which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, and saying, Certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you, and with have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which ye have not known. Then shalt thou inquire, and make search, and ask diligently, and behold, if it be truth, and the thing certain, that such abomination is wrought among you, thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is within, therein, and the cattle thereof, with the edge of the sword. And thou shalt gather all the spoil of it into the midst of the street thereof, and shalt burn with fire the city and all the spoil thereof, every whit, 
for the Lord thy God, and it shall be an heap forever. It shall not be built again, and there shall cleave naught of the cursed thing to thine hand, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show thee mercy, and have compassion upon thee, and multiply thee as he hath sworn unto thy fathers. Then thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments, which I command thee this day, to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God. This is a very sobering chapter. And according to these verses, there's a very good possibility that we can be led astray by others, those that surround us. In the Old Testament, there was no grace. God commanded to kill anyone that tried to convince others to worship gods of other nations. He called them prophets, dreamers. It could be those who influence many people, leaders, pastors, fathers. In verse 6, brings it right down to our family, media family, and friends. So those that try to entice you into leaving the way to join them in following other gods, not necessarily idols, but anything that isn't contrary to the truth of the word of God's word. Anything that causes us to deviate from the way we know is right. And beings, we live in the day of grace and mercy, and we don't we don't kill. We have a, the new commandment that Jesus gave: "Thou shalt not kill." So this does not apply to us. We can participate and condone their activities and still be in the way, the way of truth, the way of life. You can't play with fire and not be burned. These verses are here for the safety of those that are in the way and as as it is for the punishment of those who are influencing others. <clears throat> in the day of grace, we let God judge others. We are still responsible to keep ourselves pure and unspotted before God and to warn those who are lost. They can still be our family and friends, but they need to know that as a follower of the way, I'm on a road that is leading me towards God and I'm not going to turn out of the way to join you. And I'd like to read the last two verses in the Amplified. <clears throat> Nothing from that which is under the ban designated for destruction shall cling to your hand so that the Lord may turn away from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he swore to your fathers because you have listened to and obeyed the voice of the Lord your God keeping all his commandments which I have commanded you today doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. To keep ourselves pure and unspotted may mean a different way, a separation. And showing grace to others will never require us to compromise truth. Which leads us to our last two points, how to stay in the way. 
Number one, what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, it seems like in our day, truth is harder and harder to define. We can read blogs, we can listen to sermons online, we can listen to sermons on the radio. We can look for truth in many different platforms. And if we're not careful, it can bring confusion. I just want to say that go to the teachings of Jesus first. He said, I am the way, the truth. And the Bible's been sufficient for the last 2,000 years before all these other platforms. And it will be as long as the world stands. Then listen to those that are not ashamed of the gospel message. I just read somewhere that the gospel message is no longer preached in a lot of churches. Are we ashamed because the truth of God's word will condemn and judge sin? And Elmer Gleck mentioned the other Sunday that the ditch on one side of the road is as steep as the other. And I like, I like to think of truth as the center line on a road. You'll never drive on a road where the center line goes off the edge and into the ditch on one side or the other. And truth is the same way. Truth will always keep you in the way of life. And number two, Jesus is the life. That I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but my me. Have you ever considered that outside of Jesus, there is no life? It is mere existence. Proverbs 15.24, The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. Without Jesus, we're living a short life for ourselves and for our pleasure. Only with Jesus will we experience life here and eternal life after this life. And there's one way I would like to look at yet, and that is the way to the tree of life. Genesis 2. Genesis 2.9 gives us the uh, two trees in the Garden of Eden. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we go on down to uh, Genesis 2.16 and 17. And it, as we read through Genesis 2, it only mentions the one tree that they were not to eat, even though it appears like they were both there in the middle of the garden. Genesis 2.16 And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, Thou shalt surely die. 
Let's go on down to Genesis 3 and see what happens after man sins. Genesis 3.22 And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It doesn't appear in these verses that I read that the tree of life was off limits before sin, and I stand to be corrected on this if I'm missing something. But before... Before this, death was not part of God's creation until Adam and Eve sinned. And after they sinned, God did not want them to eat the fruit from the tree of life and live forever in this state of sin. But he had already put in place a better plan that he wanted to bring to man at the right time when they were prepared for it. He wanted man to live forever, but not in this world of sin. So God drove man out of the garden, which also was a type of paradise, and sin could not stay there. And nor could he have man eat of the tree of life and spoil his plan that he had for man. And this tree is the type of Jesus being the tree of life. It is only when we partake of his fruit that we can have life. Now and after we die. He died on a tree, and it is that blood that flowed that gives us this life. To wrap this up, let's go back to John 14. Do you ever think that verse 2 and 3 are maybe a little out of place, a little random here in John 14? Even as I was preparing this, I it just seemed like there, he talks about these mansions and, and then it goes on again explaining all the things that that he came to accomplish in his relationship with uh, between him and his father. What was the reason that Jesus came back, that Jesus came to earth the first time? Wasn't it to draw us back to God? You know, sin has separated us from God, and we had no way back. In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were driven from paradise, from that garden. Before that, they had this relationship of walking with God in the in the garden. There was this man-to-man relationship as we would understand it. But when sin took place, that was over. That that relationship was, was cut off. <clears throat> In the two chapters before 14, Jesus re- was preparing the disciples for his death and showing them how the followers of the way will live and to do the things he taught them. But all this was for a greater cause. This was the way back to his father. 
And he went on through chapter 14, again explaining that everything he did came directly from God. It was all for a purpose to bring man back to himself. And all this was taking place because God wants everyone to choose this way of life, his son Jesus, and come live with him. And on top of that, Jesus said that his father's house has many mansions. And Jesus said himself he's going to go back and prepare a place for those that are in this way. And when the time is right, he will come and take us back where he is. And I don't know what it will be like, but I want to find out. Choose your destiny this morning. Choose the way that leads to life. And you can experience an abundant life here in this world. And an even better life after here. I have no way to explain what it will be like. Because I haven't been there. But I know it will be out of this world. Many, many times better and anything we can compare to it here, stay in the way that leads to life. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your plan of salvation. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have prepared for us, Lord, that we can come back to you. Lord, even though we are born with sin, and sin separates us from you. Lord, we can, through Jesus, be again reunited with you in heaven. And Lord, show us the way. Continue to open our eyes and show us the way that leads back to you. Lord, that we would not drift from the center of the road and through one ditch or the other. But Lord, keep us in your truth and make your truth clear to us that we can be on that straight path that leads to you. And Lord, just pray that you would bless each one for coming out this morning and those that are not here. Just bless them where they are. And Lord, just be with the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen.